Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, you know it is always a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan, and today is no different. Indeed, it is, Hummer, and that is despite the fact that the John Brandon saga simply will not die. This last week, it feels like it's been ages ago, but it's honestly just been a matter of days since Andy Wittry, who's on Twitter, at Andy Wittry, W-I-T-T-R-Y, he has an out-of-bounds college athletics newsletter and he dropped a pretty, you know, a, a quite a revealing perspective um, that included more allegations and, and alleged details of how John Brandon was conducting himself at the University of Cincinnati while head, head coach of the basketball team. Now, we could go into this. We could relive all the details and discuss them and hash them out, Hummer. But I honestly don't think it's a great idea. I think on this podcast in particular, we've done quite a comprehensive job documenting our thoughts and feelings on exactly how John Brandon failed as head coach of the you know University of Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. And what happens from here is going to happen from here in terms of lawyers and what settlement happens or whether there's going to be a settlement, because frankly, he seems to be in, in deep water from that perspective. But Am I missing something here, Hummer? Should we be going into more detail about this report? Should we be talking about it in more detail? You know, I, I think the biggest question I have, you know, if, if I were asking John Brandon or Tom Lars directly, you know, I think I, I just want to walk by and just be like, are you guys tapping out yet? <laughs> I, I, I'm being dead serious. You know, when you, I think that's, that's the only part I really want to get into it is, is when you're looking at what, what they're saying happened, you know, which is, you know, you're at a two hour practice, by the way, unpaid players who are practicing two hours, you know, hard practices, then doing wind sprints. And basically you're already tired. Your body's kind of fatigued and then you're not running on fast. Enough, so you have to keep running, keep running, keep running and keep running. And it's almost a, you know, a self, a, a feedback mechanism in the sense that, you know, at a certain point, your body's just not going to run any faster. Um, but it, it led to the point where players became dizzy. They were passing out. They had in the, and it had to be, it had to be stopped. The practice had to be stopped. And you have a player who's basically sitting there on a trainer's table, having what I'm picturing as an airplane oxygen mask strapped to his face. And you have John Brandon walking over to him and saying, tapping out like, okay, dude, like this is, I'm glad that we finally, like, this is, this is what's being aired. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know what? Great. I think it's time officially we can all move on. If you are a defender of John Brandon after this, all right, you're insane. You're crazy. There's no doubt <laughs> or, about or it. Are they, you know, I don't know if we've done a good enough job on this podcast talking to John Brandon defenders and really getting that perspective. You know, I, I think it's a perspective that's, it's been on the internet. It's been on Twitter. You know, it's a loud group. It's a group that I sometimes can't, I can't really see their side. I fail to see how they can defend this type of behavior. I mean, you, you allude to the, you know, the physical wear and tear these players were sustaining during some of these practices where 
they're passing out multiple players passing out um you know dropping literally like flies on the floor on a basketball court during a season that is being played during a pandemic where one of the known side effects is a heart condition that can cause even more severe issues so you know the lack of awareness the lack of self-awareness from john brandon is truly remarkable um, we didn't even get into the paranoia about the training staff, the lack of trust uh, that he seemed to have for, for anybody who was, frankly, their job title was essentially their job responsibilities were looking, looking after the well-being and safety of the players, and they had to step in multiple times. But it's for these reasons, Hummer, that I think we need to hear that perspective. Once and for all, we can put this to rest. So a bit of a surprise to you, I did take the liberty of, of reaching out to one of these John Brandon defenders. I, I wanted to hear from him. He, you know, he was apprehensive about coming on the podcast. He, he felt like he might get railroaded. And I told him, look, I'm going to give him as long as he wants. I want to have an open and honest dialogue about his whole, his perspective in this John Brandon saga. So I'm, I'm thrilled. And he didn't want me to give the last name, but I'm thrilled to welcome Billy from Newport, Kentucky, to the podcast to talk about the John Brandon saga one last time. Billy from Newport, thank you for joining the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Sports Podcast. How are you today? I'm going well here, Tamer. Can you can you hear me all right? No, Billy, I'm having I'm having trouble hearing you, Billy. How about how about now? No. Billy, is, are that, you, is that better? Oh, can you hear me? I, I can hear you now. Are you? What do you want? Are you using AirPods? Are you? Are you on a handheld landline? Uh, I, I don't have them fancy AirPod things. I'm just I'm just here using my my telephone. Got got a little dialer on. It's pretty cool. Uh, okay, all right. Hey, Billy. honey, where are my smokes? Where are my smokes? I need my new ports, honey. Thanks, thanks for having me on here, Coomer. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, you know, I just think this whole thing about John Branch is way overblown. You know, these kids these days, they get their blue ribbons. They get these they get these dang trophies just for about everything they do. And the one time someone wants to come in here and they want to they make them work for something, they want to make them work hard, they say, no, sir, you got to go. And I do not appreciate what the university is since they, what is Billy, the Bearcat Billy, anyway? Billy, Billy. I just heard about the Bearcats like two years ago. Well, that's what I want to understand, Billy. I, I, I sense what? the, you, you seem frustrated by this, but before we really get into the details, I just wanted to better understand what is your experience with the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball program? Like how far back does your fandom go? Tell me a bit about that. Well, remember what, what is a Bearcat? I've been a Norse fan for 15 years. I never heard of the Bearcats. Till John Brandon took over. I was like, why are you doing going to Cincinnati anyway? North Kentucky's where it's at. Billy, are you, you mean to tell me you're not actually a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball fan? I didn't even watch any of the games. <laughs> so why? Why would why I watch you... the games? These players were soft. I watched, I watched like two games. These players were just soft. You could tell. John Brandon was out there screaming and, and screaming and yelling. And you know what? They didn't do nothing. 
but don't you wonder if that's an indictment on the coach himself, since he's the one who recruited and is coaching these players? Do you worry that that John Brandon himself was responsible for the softness in air quotes you were you were seeing on the court? No, absolutely not. I think it's a testament to the character of these players who knew what they were getting into when they decide to come to Cincinnati. Billy, uh, Billy, I'm so confused. You've, you're calling the players soft, but also talking about it, you know, a testament to the players for being on the court. I, why are you so revved up by John Brandon's ousting? I mean, do you think he did a good job as head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats? Look, at the end of the day, through all the reading that I've done through the biased media, mainly the athletic, the biased media of the athletic, I love the reporting from the Enquirer. I thought they were just absolutely fantastic. I thought that they did a really good job of making sure that Coach Brandon's voice was heard and that Tom Mars had an appropriate platform to air his grievances. I think at the end of the day, you had a coach that you brought in to do a job and you told him you can't do it a certain way. And that showed on the court what happened, you know, reading his results. And John Brandon took this team, he took this team to a championship his first year. He took them to a championship game his second year. And we just, they just let him go. Billy, were you concerned at all that players are reportedly passing out on the on the court and that that the coach was was kind of disregarding the advice of the of the the medical staff at UC? I mean, doesn't that seem negligent? Especially No, not COVID. at all. I tell you what, I played I played payway soccer. I played soccer all the way up till I was eleven and a half years old. And I remember running every day in that hot weather and our, in our, in our, in our course, where we come from, it's not, it's not too pretty. Lots of Hills. Our soccer field was uphill both ways. So to score a goal, you had to run uphill both ways and kids would pass out all the time. You don't hear anybody complaining back then. These 2000 babies, they're soft. It's an interesting perspective, Billy. Honestly, I'm, uh, are, are, do you expect to continue following the Cincinnati Bearcats? What's your next move? I mean, are you, do you know John Brandon personally? I'm just, I'm very, I'm quite, it's unclear to me why you're so loyal to this coach, despite the fact that, that he seemingly just didn't, uh, he didn't really grasp the gravity of the situation or, or really how to manage a program like the university of Cincinnati. Well, well, Kimmer, I can tell you that I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time watching the the University of Wisconsin. That's that's where I'm gonna be devoting my energy to. Uh, my relationship to John Brandon is that of um, you know I'm a big fan of Chris Vote. I've followed his career around, and you know I just think that you know I hope that Wisconsin just throws the ball through him constantly all game. I just want to see Chris Vote feed the man, feed the beast, feed the beast. From Kentucky, let's get him the ball. Let's get him the NBA. Chris Vote is one of my very good friends, and he's going to do very big things at the University of Wisconsin. Okay, Billy, Billy, I, I got to cut you off there. Um, you've gone too far, and I appreciate the time you spent on uh, 
you know, speaking with us and sharing your perspective on, on how, how you can see this from John Brandon's side. I'm, I'm left a little bit confused. I found the whole conversation, frankly, quite jarring, but I, I really do appreciate the time you spent with us today. Billy, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Hummer, that was intense. I, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I frankly, anybody you know defending. I learned, I learned something. I learned something from him. What'd you learn? If you're still defending, if you were, if you're defending John Brandon, you were delusional. <laughs> I'd say so. But you are, you are a 110% delusional. Uh, you need to get checked out. Uh, there is nothing more that can be said to defend this man. Uh, I'm glad that officially, I feel like this is the, not only does Billy Billy help us uh, move on, but everything we heard, we can just stop talking about it. I don't think the university is going to pay a dime uh, to John Brandon. I don't think it's. Con- I, I personally don't think there's going to be a settlement. I think they're going to. I think they're going to get get away with um, not having to pay the man. Um, that with that said, said, with that said, we want to move on to something more fun. We've probably spent too much time on it, but I really am glad that we we heard Billy from Newport's perspective on the matter and. I I'm looking forward to never having him on the podcast again. Um, let's move can on. Talk, can we talk about something fun with the Bearcat program though? Let's talk about let's fun. Do it. What do, what do you want to talk about? Guys, homage is back. Founded in 2007, homage turns back the clock with shout outs to eclectic moments and personalities in sports, music, and popular culture from Barry Larkin to Kenya Martin. Homage tells stories of triumph, individualism and hustle preserving the old school and creating new legacies pay homage at www.homage.com and today we're getting ready to celebrate a special day on may 13th we are celebrating 513 day and homage is dropping a brand new collection of some of your favorite spots around cincinnati bogarts murphy's pub and if you're part of the enemy, if you're in Xavier and you're listening, that's our Murphy's Pub. Get out of here. Big boy. My favorite beer. Hootie Delight. Funny story about Hootie Delight. We went down to the Superdome. We had a case of Hootie Delight. We had some Cincinnati fans walk up to us asking us to buy our case, our, our $10 case of Hootie Delight for 50 bucks. And you can get their t-shirt at homage.com you can shop all homage online at homage.com and in six stores across ohio including the over the rhine vine street location right here in cincinnati homage has created an exclusive offer to kick off 513 day by using the code flangin 513 you will get you will get 25 percent off your entire order and you do not want to miss this one there is a shirt that I am eyeing, W-K-R-P, in Cincinnati. Don't want to miss this one. That is S-L-A-N-G-I-N, 513 at checkout. I think the biggest news this week was not the, the bomb dropped by Andy Wittry. I think it was Corey Blunt met with Wes Miller and experienced Miller time for himself and completely pulled a 180. 
he completely just started walking the opposite direction. He was getting ready to walk off into the into the middle of the desert with like 10 other people on the West Miller hate train. And now he's back, baby. The hype train's in full effect. Corey Blunt came roaring back. I am in. This man is the future of the program. This man's taking us in the right direction. To be a fly on the wall on that Zoom call, I would have I'd paid I would have paid money to watch to listen to that call. Was it a Zoom call? My understanding was that he got invited to practice. Like he was well, not a practice Whatever necessarily, but he Whatever was invited to yeah. meet with Wes and his staff on campus, see him in person, break bread, and it worked. Look, I, I want Corey Blunt on board too. I'm not even someone who's upset at him for vocalizing frustrations with the Bearcats program. There's there's reasons to be frustrated from his perspective, but it, it, it's another another case of Wes Miller getting somebody in a room and, and singing his songs, tapping his feet and, uh, and getting them on board and, and getting them bought into what he's going to try and do here at the university of Cincinnati. Yeah. So Corey, I think one of my favorite things about this whole, the, the Corey blunt saga is, you know, and I get it when you're, 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 you're frustrated, you have friends who, who you're invested in their careers and invested and want to see them do well personally. They didn't get a job that you thought that they would be good for at a program that you care about. So I understand the frustration. It was just a little jarring in this, in the way that he was kind of talking about it and, you know, going down the route of the, the UNCG and, and really disparaging what, what West Miller was trying to do at the time, which I truly think that West Miller was basically bringing in players to say, Hey, we got stability. Now we can go out and take some shots. And that's what we're seeing on the recruiting trail. We're seeing West Miller take some shots, but Corey Blanco for all the in, for all the inboxers, I guess people were DMing him about, you know, what happened, what happened, what happened? We talked to UCB ball and how he plans to embrace this opportunity. I told him at the end, I liked everything about him, except the fact that he went to, <laughs> to North Carolina. Uh, I said, them bastards sent me home my senior year. He said, Hey, big fella. I didn't have anything to do with that. Well, again, uh, I, so it sounds like they I, had a good time. I am not personally offended by the opinions that Corey Blunt was expressing online in the weeks after Wes Miller's hiring. Were you offended? Were you offended by these takes? I'm not going to use the word offended. Like, it's not like I was like personally sitting here over here, like stewing, but okay, there, were you there upset? Point... Like, were you hurt? Were you, you know, did you, were your feelings hurt? Were you stop trying to get, get to the same Stop trying to ask the same question with different, different adjectives there. No, like you're just looking at it and you're like, all right, look, you have a lot of the Huggins era players who did hop on a Zoom day one, right? They heard Coach out. They they asked him questions, and that call was un, like unanimously from everybody on the call. There was I don't think there was a single Bearcat who was on that call who who expressed displeasure at what they heard during the group Zoom. But then when Corey Blunt wants to go and and keep talking and disparaging Coach Miller, yet he wasn't on the call, was he? I, I don't believe Corey Blunt was on that call. I also, we can't say definitively it was 100% positivity takeaway. The people we heard from were positive. We heard from multiple people that were on the call, and those people did say and have positive things to say about the West Miller call with the alumni. That's not to say that everybody felt the same way. Not everybody expressed an opinion publicly. And I just, I never understood why, why can't Corey Blunt be frustrated with the process or be frustrated with, maybe how he and the you know Huggins era's players 
are portrayed and, and maybe talked about within the administration, within the athletic department itself. I, all I'll say is there's, there's more going on behind the scenes than I think we can really wrap our arms around um, on this podcast or from a fan perspective. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because generally speaking, over time, if Wes Miller does what we think Wes Miller can do, which is build a more healthy culture here, build a winning program here, build a program that is again consistently in the top 25 and becomes one of those heavy hitters on the national scene again, if he can do something like that or close to it, that's where I, I'm hoping to see more buy-in, more public buy-in then. Be more public with your support. Be Don't be as quiet with, with your right. support. All right. Be a public I, I supporter that. of the program. I get that. So here, here's the part that I, I guess I took, I mainly took issue with when it comes to the Corey, the Corey Blunt saga is, you know, when he's sitting there talking about like, you know, University of Greensboro, right. And, and someone comments and he going, well, we've become that. Unfortunately, it's sad to love something so much and watch people destroy it. Um, okay. Didn't, that was, that's weak. You, that's weak sauce. It, that's so weak because a lot of the Bearcats had Huggins. Like if we, if we took Huggins like out of the, aura of Huggins you know like the the legend that surrounds Huggins now and go back to before Huggins was like before we had final four run before we had elite eight you know and you're looking at those first two years of Huggins like you get a guy from Akron who probably had some buzz around him but at the end of the day it was like you know it's a coach from Akron I'm, I, if Twitter was I'm based I'm guessing what I'm asking is if Twitter had been around at the beginning of Huggins tenure would we have had the same complaints? Oh, we're getting UC and of Santa Barbara. You know, we're, we're getting, you know, we're getting UC Santa Barbara East coast. Would people be okay with that? You know, and here we are We're yeah, we got a lot of UNC Greensboro players, but I do think that the ones that the players that we got, you know, one was a, one was a, we've talked about two of them were freshmen. Two of them were freshmen. One of them was previously playing at Clemson. Another one has a very strategic role as a, a viable large body to protect the rim Boom. and stretch the court offensively. Strategy, strategy, a little strategy. bit of it's, built it's, into it. It's amazing strategy. It's 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 putting the program on a on a level where it's like, okay, we have some stability now. We have a core, we know who the core group of guys are. And let's face it, we're all happy that we have Jeremiah Davenport, we have Mike Saunders Jr., we have Mason Madsen. Like we we have a, a core. Uh, we have David DeJulius. Well, hopefully David DeJulius. We have back. David we have DeJulius. Heard. I mean, Justin Williams is now including that he's more than likely staying at UC, which is great news. Perfect. So we have a core group of players we're going to be building around this season. We should. We be have Rob Banks. We have Rob Banks. I'm not remember? as upset. I'm, I'm ups- I like I like that he's on scholarship. He he's earned it. When Rob Banks played minutes, Rob Banks is. Hey, you know I'm I'm irrationally confident in, confident in his ability to get out there and you know, put a body on someone. I would, I would say this. It made sense to bring on some, some of the players he did from UNCG based on the fact that we have so much roster turnover that was going to happen, right? Like there had to be, there were so many open scholarships that he had to fill it with somebody. He's filling it with upside players from his previous stop that are going to know exactly what West Miller is about. They're already bought into what he does and what he brings to the table as a coach. Instant He's culture. He's meshing that. a dose of instant culture. Instant culture. I love that. I love that phrase. And he's meshing it. And it's going to be easier to mesh that 
with the guys he already has invested in the Bearcats program from UC previously, guys like Jeremiah, Mike Saunders Jr., Mason Madsen, David DeJulius, uh, Micah Adams-Woods. I mean, these are rock-solid players who who have proven they know how to rally around each other. So I, I, I think there's a method to his madness. I know they're going to be taking bigger swings. We're seeing one of them right now with um, Odie Iguana. And I think, frankly, he's a perfect fit for UC. I think we're going to, I think we have a great shot at landing him based on reading the tea leaves of what, of the comments he's making. Yeah, I'm reading what he was saying. Yeah. Based on base out guys. That's what, that's what I read. Candace is on. out by him saying eh, the, the relationship is in the beginning. It's okay. Muscleman scares okay. me though. Muscleman. Look, you got to watch out for Muscleman. He's, he's hurt us many times at this he, point. Stay away from us. Muscleman stay away from Obi. Odie. Stay away from Odie. Um, I mean, I guess it all comes down to is is the comments that he's saying. I really care about, you know, the relationship with the coach because I know we do hear that. And if I had to, just from what we've learned over the last few weeks, we know we know one hundred percent. Wes Miller is a is probably one of the best in the business at building bonds with his players because he pointed it out. Not a single player from UNC Greensboro was in the transfer portal prior to him taking the job at Cincinnati. That is huge in this year when everybody was saying, oh, John Brand should get a pass because there's so many people in the transfer portal. But no no one's really talking about the fact that he had zero players in the transfer portal. That is huge. Not only that, he got four of his players to enter the transfer portal to follow him. <laughs> And one of them, I, I think they actually got to go for a waiver uh, because he's already transferred once. Yeah, Koval, who's supposed to be a, a graduate transfer, I think he. I think they're going to give him the needs. waiver, right? But but because he's a grad transfer, I'm not com- completely certain. I'm on the not rules sure what there. the rules are. I think there's a chance. Yeah, he don't might don't be quote fine, us but... on that, but but either way, it just shows that he's one of the best in the business status. So it makes me confident that I think that we bring it we back might though. Get a good pickup. Bring it back to your original point on Corey Blunt. And, and kind of making a big deal of the fact that he is now making amends with Wes Miller. I do that's think another, that's a, that's a, that's the full circle I was making when it comes to like building relationships and how good he is at being the best in the business. You took a guy like Corey Blunt, who was literally saying some of the worst things in my opinion, you could say in terms of the, of, of dogging the program or dogging the state of the program or dogging the types of players that, that Wes is recruiting to, to meeting with him one time and completely changing his opinion to the point where he is singing at the top of the mountain. The praises oh, stop. Of That's Miller. he's not singing at the top of the mountain. He sent a couple of positive tweets about the program. Oh he's yeah. Doing it's, what it's he's insane. saving face. And, and frankly, I'm glad you reminded me of a couple messages he did send out that were completely inappropriate. There's no, he has no business, you know, mocking the players coming over from UNCG, you know, set, talking about, we need to go back to getting five stars and four stars. That's extremely difficult to do in Wes Miller's current situation. And let's also not forget that it's not like Bob Huggins builds around five stars exclusively. In fact, he goes and finds high upside three-star players and develops them to be the type of player that can thrive in a Bob Huggins system. I would say this. My, my take on what we saw from Corey Blunt and some of the other concerned comments we saw from former basketball alumni, I do think all of it, is a is a manifestation of the unhealthy culture we have still around Cincinnati basketball and have had since Bob Huggins was forced out the door. We have somehow 
never managed to fully get everybody back on board or get people to move past that era. And it continues to linger and fester and kind of, and just disrupt. Do you know how you get past it? Do you know how you get past the Bob Huggins era? Tell it's me. actually really hard, but it's super simple. You have to have the success that Bob Huggins had here. If Wes Miller wants to break through the, the ceiling that is Bob Huggins, we have to have a final four through during your tenure here. That has to happen. Look, it's going to have, look, if, with Roy Williams in North Carolina, since, since this is a, a parallel, you have the Roy Williams era now in North Carolina. Yes, he, he left on his own. But the new coach, the bar at North Carolina is Roy Williams. The bar here at Cincinnati is Bob Huggins. So if you want to break, beat the bar, Bob Huggins, you have to be better than what Bob Huggins was. So you have to go to final fours. You have to have some elite eight appearances. And then frankly, it shouldn't be too hard from there because the back end of Bob Huggins career, you know, after the, you know, the, the Kenya Martin season was on kind of a little bit of a downturn, not, not saying it was going to the toilet by any means, but it was nowhere near that, that number one ranking, if you would. No, it wasn't. And I think, this it wasn't where, in the toilet. I'm trying to say the, it wasn't in the toilet. Let me, no, let me it's, rephrase. It's I know it's, it it's never just, went in the toilet under Bob Huggins and, and it wasn't in the toilet under Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin did a fine job for 13 years, but he never turning out did. consistent winning programs, winning teams. He never, he, you're right. He never achieved and never reached the mountaintop from a, from an NCAA tournament perspective. And I think that did somehow create this, force field around fully embracing him and giving him his proper due as a really good head coach at the university of Cincinnati. It's why people like me and you weren't so upset to see him take the UCLA job and get the fresh restart. And now we're learning that you can't just plug anybody into an American athletic basketball program and be guaranteed top notch winning results. In fact, it seems like it is harder than we initially thought to hire a basketball coach, although to be fair to us, I'm not maybe sure Mike Bone did much to really to have a process in hiring. Maybe it shouldn't have been as hard. Is is the is is the real outlook? It, it shouldn't have been as hard because they didn't do their due diligence the first time around. Right, right. So you know, you can kind of you can slice that both ways. It's a little I'm, spicy. Huh? No, no, I'm happy. I think basketball today. I like it. I'm happy to see Corey Blunt on board, publicly supporting the program. We're all in a better place well, when that's happening. You, you don't have to publicly blast us. You don't have to make fun of the players. You don't have to say, you know, Tari Eason shouldn't come back. Those things are, are toxic. That's toxic commentary about your your alma mater. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about the Tari one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did too and just, until just now. So there's, it's okay to be silent though. Like, I don't think you have to be Wes Miller's biggest cheerleader. If you want to wait and see, if you want to see how this plays out, and if you want to hold him to delivering results and delivering the winning basketball and culture that you that you want to see, that's fine. Um, all I'll say is that everything I'm seeing, the staff he's built, the way he's talking. Uh, there's nothing you can. There's nothing you can say right now that's bad about Wes Miller. All the only action. Thing we haven't seen. The only thing we haven't seen, frankly, and this is what it all comes down to, is results on the court. Right, but he's showing a process that, and so far everything looks to be to be good. There's, there's all signs are pointing towards. Okay, this guy gets it. I and, agree, you know, and that's that's just what we're seeing right now. Uh, is this guy gets it? And when I say Corey Blunt blasting off the top of a mountain, you know, he went he went and said more than just one tweet. He sent a few tweets back to back to back. Um, 
you know, and good, good. I'm happy to see him on board. I'm happy to see that he's not going the opposite direction because look, at the end of the day, we do need the older players. We do need the Huggins Harris players to embrace this because we need that attitude. We want this basketball team to have that attitude. You, know, you need your, you need your alumni bought in. We do need, you like need you do need that long-term. And so I think that's good. I think, and like, I, and I'm just impressed with Wes Miller basically saying, all right, Corey, I see that you're upset. And I see that you're really, really upset and you're vocal about it. Come meet us, come meet with me. Let's talk it out. You know? Yep. Cause and I don't, I don't think at the end of the day that Corey's and, and some players his have intention, his intentions are not to probably just drag the program. down. It's not to drag Wes Miller. Even, I don't think that a lot of these players have said that, that Wes Miller is their issue. I think Kenyon Martin spoke up in the meeting and said as much that, look, my issue is not with you. My issue is with the administration, the current administration and the prior administration. And I'm trying to do more digging on that front. I've had a few conversations behind the scenes to, try and figure out what the hell is going on. Why, why is there such a uh, kind of a seeming uh, a chasm between the Bob Huggins era players and the UC Bearcats athletic administration? I haven't quite pinned it down at this point. I do think there's some things that have happened in the, in the last few years in terms of how they're thought about, how maybe they're talked about. And, you know, maybe there's some mending of, uh, there's some bridge building that needs to be done because Bearcats basketball isn't what it is without the Bob Huggins era. So we can't act like it didn't happen. We can't pretend that it exists without those years. We have to fully embrace them. We have to acknowledge what they were. We have to acknowledge that the program is largely standing on the back of those 25 plus years with Bob Huggins. Is it 25? How many years was it with Bob Huggins? It wasn't 25. It was more like 15 plus years. Regardless, um, I feel like Wes Miller is a yeah, good. Aren't we, on, aren't we on like the 20, 25 year, 20 something year, 21 year anniversary of having him? I think it was like 22 years. Yeah, ago I don't know. He was I, I suck at counting. But season, wasn't it? Yeah. Regardless, Look, at the end it's of the day, probably healthy the for day, us to have an team. outside voice. We finally have an outside voice, an outside personality who is removed entirely from this baggage and this drama from the last 30 years. And I, I hope that a guy is who gets it, though, a guy who gets it, though. Yeah, he understands it. Gets it. He understands the importance of alumni. He understands the importance of, you know, as much as much as anybody wants to disagree with me out there. You know, the importance of having, you know, the brand recognition, if you would, you know, what what sponsors you're having, how the university looks, you know, and Wes Miller clearly gets that because that was one of his first things was, hey, guys, let's all get together. I want you, you know, I want you, Kenyon Martin, to be a part of a part of the voice of what's going on in the future. You know, I want you, Alex Meacham, to be a part of this voice. I want you, Zach Tober. You know, I want all of these players to be involved with this program. And he, you know, and he's, he's kind of showing it out there that he's, he's putting his money where his mouth is, you know, we just got, we got rumors. I don't know. Is it official yet? Is DeMar Johnson on this on staff? Is that official? It's not official yet. No, I think we talked about this last week, but they keep alluding to it. So if that becomes official, boom, we got, we got a ex Bearcat on staff. He's you know, not that, the only ex Bearcat too. That's rumored. Um, anyway, Hummer, let's put a bow on the basketball conversation or put a pin in it. I should say, cause I imagine it's something we'll come back to. Didn't really enter the podcast or plan the podcast out expecting to have that conversation, but I'm glad we did. All right, Hummer. The last thing we're going to talk about here today is the state of the Bearcats football program. Good timing because uh, 
Justin Williams from The Athletic dropped his annual State of the Football Program article, which just kind of, uh, it rehashes where we are. Who's returning on the team? Who's who, who left? Who are the big departures? What staff changes are we seeing? And look, we're not just going to do a recap of the article. I'm, I'm, I merely mention it as backdrop for the conversation we might have. But Hummer, I think you have a specific angle you want to take up with me because if I'm reading this correctly, you've grown tired or are growing tired already of my cynicism as it pertains to the college football playoff, the selection committee, the playoff cabal, and the fact that I just truly believe there is no way in hell they're going to let the Cincinnati Bearcats into a four-team college football playoff. Yeah, you know, um, sometimes I just want to hear a little hyperbole from you. You know, greatest Bearcat football team ever. You know, that that's the kind of stuff I want to hear. No, I mean, I think that when you're looking at the Bearcats this year, when you like even versus last year, because I started to mention this a little bit because you gave me the crazy look when I mentioned mentioned this of like Des Ritter not being in the conversation for Heisman is what's keeping us out of the playoff last year. I think I said something along those lines, or that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, you were essentially saying we didn't have enough. We didn't have enough roster juice. Like we didn't have the story or the narrative behind us to to give us that last push into the playoff. That was the thing that broke us. Right. Who are these players? There's no one. There's no one. There's no one big on here that's going to help to you know destroy Alabama. They're going to get rolled. Well, this year I think it's a little different. I think going into this year's season and just and I'm completely going off these some of these insane and ridiculous NFL mock drafts. But if we're we had four draft picks this year, Alabama I think the number one squad had had uh, four or ten draft picks this year. Um, we're looking at potentially two maybe even three number one draft picks on this squad, two of them being on the defensive side of the ball. Round one draft picks, yeah. Potentially. First, We've yeah, got first round, first round Ahmad, Ahmad, Yeah. Ahmad Gardner, Maj Sanders, and Des Ritter. That's who you're referring to. Three guys who who have legitimate shots at at finding their way or playing their way into the first round. I agree. That's extremely right. unique so, for Bearcats football. It's extremely unique for UC ba- uh, football. It's also pretty common for the top teams in the country to have, say, one or two elite top-level draft picks on one side of the ball surrounded by a bunch of really good players, guys that could still get drafted in later rounds or guys that are signing free agent contracts outside the draft. So when you're looking on the defensive side of the ball and you have Gardner and you have MyJ Sanders, but then you're bringing back Cody, Kobe Bryant you know, you're bringing Arquan Bush. You're, you're bringing a lot of these guys that are just going to be incredible surrounding the defense. Like, we're going to have a really fantastic linebacker core. Like, I think that there is something special that is going to be happening on this squad this year. Or last year, we said we need style points, right? We, we were beating teams, but we weren't beating them down. I think this year we are going to beat the snot out of teams. I don't think we did beat any other teams team down in- last year. We did beat no, teams I mean, down we're last going year. To- More style points are going to be coming this year. Like the, <laughs> the style, it's going to rain style points in Cincinnati, right? That's what I'm, that's what I am predicting is a rain of style points. We're going to be throwing up 40 points in the air. We're going to be throwing 40 points on the ground, not in the same night, 
but we have a, we our offense is dynamic this year. We're going to be able to score. It was on dynamic the last year. You're telling me. I think it's going. It's going to be better. And it might be. I'm not denying that. Like I'm. I'm not sitting here saying the Bearcats are going to regress this season. Quite the opposite. I. I'm fully aware that this team is likely going to be the best team in Bearcat football history. We have Des Ritter coming back, our, our our quarterback, the guy who who based on the last probably eight games or so of last season was one of the best college football players in the country, one of the most impactful offensive players in the country. He's back. You know, we lost James Hudson on the offensive line, but we've got multiple bodies now competing to fill in that spot. And, and it seems more than likely that we have a sufficient, you know, replacement in place to have a, an acceptable performance on the offensive line. But also we've got Jerome Ford sliding in for Dokes and Jerome Ford's going to be more explosive. We've got Pierce, we've got uh, Michael Young Jr. And the fact that there's, there's so much cohesiveness, there's so much returning talent and returning production that it is easy to see this team improving upon last year's team's performance despite the fact that we are losing guys like Forrest, Wiggins, Dokes, and, and Hudson. My problem isn't with the, 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 the quality of our team. Nothing you told me is convincing me that the rigged process from last year is changing. That process is it's still the, the same. The, story, the corruption the from the playoff lines. committee is still the same. They want story. They want storylines. They're not going to let a power five or a group of five team in if there's no storylines. If, if you have this, the storylines are going to be there. We BYU have to do the rest. Coastal we Carolina last year and was undefeated. If BYU beat them last year, beat Coastal Carolina with Zach Wilson, they still wouldn't have made the college football playoff. They had storylines. They had national cachet with a Heisman Trophy contender. They were getting more buzz than the Bearcats up until that loss. They still would not have made the college football playoff. We proved ourselves on the field last year against Georgia. We proved that we belong. We proved that the, the quality of this team is such, especially when you look at our construction, the fact that we have an elite defense. This isn't a gimmicky run-and-gun, fun-and-gun offense. This is a get on the field, get between the lines, and we're going to beat your ass. Like, we are going to hit you. We're going to be cocky. We're going to be brash. And we are going to... And everybody knows it now. That's my whole point. They saw what happened in the Peach Bowl, and they're like, holy cow, this was good. Literally, I hate to say this because you never want to put the onus on one player, and there's definitely some other examples there. I honestly believe James James Hudson doesn't get taken out of the game for a targeting penalty. I think we win the game. I do, too. I, I think do, that was – I mean, I we think, talked about it. That, that was, was, to me, the biggest moment in the game. Absolutely. Because he was that big of a talent – on that offensive line. And right, which is also then the, and the same time, a, you can then really say that's a huge loss for the team. Like, it's going to be really hard to replace it. I think it's a huge loss, but I think overall, the offensive line talent is being raised across the board. So you're okay. going to to have you're going to have a you're going to have a more solid core but my point is you see that we've already had the brand established in the peach bowl for this team knowing it's going to be better this year especially the defensive side of the ball is going to be amazing like it's it's all kind of like clicking it's all about on-field results at this point in my opinion and doing your job you're going to have to go in not that indiana is like you know screaming off the pages but you have to go in and beat the crap out of indiana you have oh, they to have to go undefeated. We, that's a name. given. We know we have to go undefeated. But you have, have to. But you have to. You have to start. We also have to legitimately start talking about the style points. 
Wait, legitimately, the team is going to have to be throwing up some big, big None numbers. Of this, and I think though, they can. That's my point. It's funny though. Like just a year ago, you just assume. Uh, you just assume there's no way ever. You're just like, no, it's not happening. I don't care. It's not happening. That's six where months ago. We talked it. about this, Hummer. We talked and lived the process. We saw what they did to our team and our program. We saw how they left us out. We saw what they. They saw how they left us out, but also based off of a year before. That it wasn't even taking us out, by the way. It was it the way that's this. No, it was lowering year, our ranking. Going into no, see, you're completely forgetting about the corruption from last year. You're forgetting that they were lowering our ranking despite winning games, despite or having a bye week. That they were moving us down behind one or two lost teams. I mean, it was insane what was happening last year, and you remember it, and you were talking about it being corrupt. We did a bit about it being the corrupt playoff committee. Nothing has changed. It's still four teams, it's, and it's still it set up That's to be point. an it's invitational for the year. biggest schools in the country. That's it. It's not going to matter this year as much. I'm telling you, it's not going to matter. You're not going to have the COVID cancellations. You're going to have a Cincinnati team that has this cachet that's already starting the season in the top 10, that, that we're already basically on the outside looking in. Last year, we said, this is great if we're number eight COVID, when the first COVID cancellations helped us. They helped COVID us get higher in the rankings they faster last year than we ever have before. Right, but we're starting where we said we wanted to be last year in October was good. We're starting there in August. Okay, and that's great. I'm happy about it. I'm. We're starting there in August. Don't let this be misconstrued to say that I'm not excited about the football team. I am. I want to see us go undefeated. I want to see us go to South Bend and put an ass beating on Brian Kelly. I just think... I have completely lost faith in the process of college football. And I don't want to get, I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want to see any, any of our listeners hurt. I don't want to see us. You know what? I'm willing, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to get super pumped. I'm willing to go completely over the top with hyperbole. Uh, That's my, that's my favorite word. Now it's my favorite thing to do. I'm willing to get emotionally invested in this team to the point where if they're sitting at number five at the end of the year, they're undefeated and there's a team in front of them with two losses that you will see a curse laden, curse laden, just rant, rant fueled on Twitter. Uh, going to go absolutely insane. And I'm, you know what? That's better than sitting here and just being like, well, knew it. I'm going to ride the roller coaster wave of emotions this season uh, for better, or for worse. So either, you know what? I'm all in. I'm all in. I just, I want to be, I want to be clear-eyed and understanding. Like Billy, what like from Billy from is. Newport, I am like Billy from Billy from Newport, all in on John Brandon. I am all in on the irrational <laughs> love of the college football playoff this year. Oh, I think the Bearcats are gonna. But don't I think be. The Bearcats this are gonna sounds, make it. It sounds like you're flirting with being naive. Like, don't be naive about this. We need to be clear-eyed so that we can hold people accountable who are doing the wrong thing and not giving the Bearcats. You the can hold them due. accountable if when it if it when if it happens again. You can try to hold them accountable. That's fine. I, we know they're I looking at changes. I have a they're looking at changes to the system. So at the end of the day, I don't know what you're wanting to look at. I have a solution. Here's my solution. It's my proposal. It's it's my vow to the listeners of Cincy Slang and that I am going to attempt to accomplish this. I think for the rest of the summer and for the rest of our off-season coverage, I want to go and find a bunch of national college football writers and analysts TV, written word, podcasts. I want to find all of you and I want to have them briefly on Cincy Slang. And I'm talking five minutes of their time. 
Do you know who, who Grover Norquist is? Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. Is that name ringing a bell? So he, he's this, not to get all political on us, but Grover Norquist is, I, I, for lack of a better word, like a Republicans, um, a Republican advisor or consultant. And, and he created this concept of the taxpayer protection pledge. And the idea is that he goes and finds new and upcoming and, and established Republican elected officials and makes them well, take this pledge this from. <laughs> no, I just I, I'm going. Trust me where I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. He I makes see where these, you're going with. He it. makes these Republicans agree to the taxpayer protection pledge. And it's essentially a promise that if you get elected into office, you are not going to raise taxes. No matter what's happening, no matter what wars we're starting, taxes will not be raised. I want to go and do an all right, all out assault on the national college football media. Again, writers, analysts, TV personalities, podcast hosts, everybody. I want to get them on and I want to make them commit to the, what are we going to call it? The Cincinnati Bearcat protection pledge. And all it is, is a commitment that if the Bearcats are going undefeated and winning the games they're supposed to win and continue to beat the brakes off our conference, if that continues to happen, I want an acknowledgement from these people with influence and pull and cachet across the college football landscape that they're going to do the right thing and advocate for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team to what do you, what do you call college it? football playoff. What, what are you calling it again? The, the Bearcats we got a, playoff the, the name needs. A, I need a better name. The Bearcats playoff pledge. Bearcats playoff pledge. The Bearcats playoff pledge. <laughs> We're doing it. We're going to try and see if we can make some noise. But I just need pledges from all these people in the national landscape to say, hey, if we do what we're supposed to do, if Fickle and company continually br- beat the brakes off people, go undefeated, you've got to be advocating for us at the end of the year to make the college football playoff. Enough is enough. So wait, wait, do we start the hashtag make the CFP, <laughs> CFP great again? <laughs> we're not doing that. That is not happening, but we are doing the Bearcats playoff pit pledge. I think the it BBP. is, man. It's make, make the CFP great again. <laughs> the B- <laughs> I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to lean into full fascism, but um, hey, Maybe, maybe hey, they already week. do it. They're, they already do it at the football playoff committee. So why, like you know, it's raise anti-fascism, fight fascism with fascism. <laughs> All right, Hummer. What do you think? Bearcat playoff pet pledge. It's hard to uh, say. Bearcats playoff pledge. You in? I'm in. All right, man. Well, let's leave it there. I am excited about the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. Uh, go read Justin's article. There is a lot of. I mean, there's infinite reasons to be optimistic and bullish on what's about to happen this coming fall. And it's joined by what's likely going to be full capacity college football stadiums. Our city, our fan base will finally get to give this, this team it's proper due in person. I intend to be at all, if not most of the games, especially those in Cincinnati. All right, well let's, mm-hmm. let's leave it there and sign off the podcast. Uh, cheers to you, Hummer. And uh, looking forward to, to uh thanks guys thanks for having me (laughs) oh my god billy how did billy get back on the call 
Amr, we got to disconnect. I can't, we can't have him on here anymore. <laughs>